The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today is Friday, which means that it is the TSJ Q&A, where we attempt to answer questions submitted by listeners. Today's question is not really a question, but more of a request. Well, it is a request. It's not more of a request. And this was submitted by a new listener named Helen Kay, who posted this as a comment in the Facebook Stoicism group, which I joined this week. Uh, Helen appreci- uh, expressed her appreciation for uh, for the podcast and then said, one request, are you, are you able to slow down a little? I can't keep up. <laughs> so... Um, uh, I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I told her that, that she's not the first person who has made this comment, uh, and, uh, and that I would, uh, make an episode about this. Uh, so first of all, let me get the, uh, excuses out of the way. Okay. So here I have five excuses for why I, I talk fast on these podcasts. The first excuse is, uh, as much as I'm loath to admit it, uh, I've been, I've been living in New York for nearly 20 years now. So I guess that definitely makes me, uh, a New Yorker and, uh, people in New York talk fast. And, uh, I was wondering whether this is just a stereotype. Uh, and so I actually kind of fell down a rabbit hole this morning in terms of, uh, of looking into this issue. I found a couple of great quotations, for example, uh, the, uh, former mayor, uh, Ed, Ed, uh, Ed Koch, I think he pronounced it, says, to be a New Yorker, you have to live here for six months. And if at the end of the six months, you find that you walk faster, talk faster, think faster, you're a New Yorker. Uh, So I thought that was good. And then uh, the question is, how far back in New York culture does this go? So there's a a journal entry, a diary entry from John Adams uh, from August 23rd, 1774. And he's complaining about New Yorkers. And he says, they talk very loud, very fast and all together. If they ask you a question before you can utter three words of your answer, they will break out upon you again and talk away. Uh, And then I found a study conducted by the Marchex Institute, uh, which analyzed uh, phone calls made to American businesses uh, over a period of two years. There were more than 4 million uh, phone calls analyzed. And uh, the surprising result is that New York was not among the the top five fast-talking states, um, which, oddly enough, were Oregon, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Kansas, and Iowa. But New York held the number one rank in the most talkative state and then uh, number four in the most impatient state. Um, and uh, regarding the most talkative thing, uh, the uh, the report said that a New Yorker will use 62% more words than someone from Iowa to have the same conversation with a business. Okay, so that's excuse number one, is that is that I've been in New York for a very long time, and I I definitely know that my speed of uh, of talking has 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 ratcheted up uh, since um, you know since uh, since my my childhood on the on the West Coast. Excuse number two is I'm uh, a, an Orthodox Jew in New York, <laughs> and uh, I, I can't speak for the non-Orthodox or even the non-Ashkenazic population, but I definitely know that it is a stereotype for yeshivish and uh, and modern Orthodox and other forms of Orthodox Jews to speak very, very fast. Uh, I don't have data on this. Excuse number three is coffee. <laughs> is I, record, I tend to record this podcast in the morning right after I drink two cups of coffee. Uh, and, uh, and by two cups, I mean, you know, I mean two mugs of coffee and, uh, and I am at my most caffeinated when I am recording this. And, uh, that definitely has an impact. Excuse number four is the time limit, the self-imposed time limit for each episode. I really do try to aim for 10 minutes and the, the most I'll push it is 15. And I often have a lot of content that I want to get in. And so I, 
I feel rushed by the self-imposed time limit. And then excuse number five is, I don't know if you could tell, but I get excited about the ideas that I talk about and the excitement causes me to speak faster. Now, the reason I'm calling these excuses is because I should know better. I am a public speaking teacher and I often have to remind my students uh, to slow down. But the thing is, is that I think that I don't relate to this as a public speech, meaning when I do give speeches in public and I've given speeches in front of hundreds, thousands of people, um, then I do speak slowly. I relate to this as thinking out loud and I think fast. Uh, maybe that's a fault also, but I, I, I definitely can control myself. And that's why I'm calling those five excuses. So uh, without further ado, I will address uh, Helen's question now. So. Seneca's letter number 40, uh, subtitled On the Proper Style for a Philosophical Disc- Philosopher's Discourse, Seneca writes, um, again, to Lucilius, his student, he says, you write me that you heard a lecture by the philosopher Serapio when he landed at your present place of residence. You say he is wont to wrench up his word, rent, he is wont to wrench up his words with a mighty rush, and he does not let them flow forth one by one, but makes them crowd and dash upon each other. For the words come in such a quantity that a single voice is inadequate to utter them. I do so so this is uh, this is the the example that they're working with. Now Seneca offers his opinion. I do not approve of this in a philosopher. His speech, like his life, should be composed, and nothing that rushes headlong and is hurried is well ordered. That is why in Homer, the rapid style, which sweeps down without a break like a snow squall, is assigned to the younger speaker. From the old man, eloquence flows gently, sweeter than honey. Therefore, mark my words, that that forceful manner of speech, rapid and copious, is more suited to a charlatan than to a man who is discussing and teaching an important and serious subject. Okay, so pause here for one second. So he's giving he's giving uh, two reasons why he objects to rapid speech in a philosopher. The first is that rapid rapidity is often a sign of a lack of order, and a philosopher should have an ordered life. So when you see someone talking fast, it either actually indicates that their their inner world is not ordered, or at the very least, they come across as someone who is not well ordered, which is not something that is uh, is advantageous to a philosopher. Right, because if you're not being viewed as someone whose life is well ordered, then uh, you're not your, your your views won't be taken as seriously. The second point he's making here is that there are negative implications uh, or negative associations to people who talk fast, and uh, charlatans are fast talkers. I mean, if we we use the term fast talker to imply a certain level of deceit that you're trying to pull a fast one on this person and to speak so fast, you know, whether it's to uh, to conceal points you're making that are dubious or to try to, you know, push all of their emotional buttons, but it's a sign of a charlatan. So in other words, you are, if you speak fast, you are not, you are not acting like a philosopher and you are acting like a charlatan. Okay. Then Seneca says, but I object just as strongly that he should drip out his words as that he should go at top speed. He should neither keep the ear on the stretch nor definite. For that poverty-stricken and thin-spun style also makes the audience less attentive because they are weary of its stammering slowness. Nevertheless, the word which has been long awaited sinks in more easily than the word which flits past us on the wing. So now he's criticizing the opposite extreme, which is slow talking. And he says that the, the, the chief consequence of the slow talker is that it causes the listener to lose attention. It can be frustrating. I know I'm bothered by this when someone is, is giving a speech or is uh, giving a sheer and they talk extremely slowly. 
Um, not in every case, but I, 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 there's sometimes it is very annoying and you just want to make them like, just get to the point. Um, I know, I know sometimes people will listen to slow talkers at double speed on podcasts or on YouTube videos. And I don't blame them for doing that, even though that's not my jam, it's not my style, but he's also pointing out an advantage of slow talking, which is that, that it, the, if you, if you cultivate anticipation on the part of your listener, then the words will sink in and register in a more permanent way. Uh, Lastly, Seneca says, finally, speak, people speak of handing down precepts to their pupils, but one is not handing down that which eludes the grasp. And this is something that is the most practical of his points. This is not, uh, this doesn't really pertain to a, a fault in the style, but actually in the substance, meaning if you speak too quickly, your listener will actually miss points. Uh, and, and that's clearly not in your interest if you're a philosopher who's trying to, to teach. Now, um, uh, obviously if you're talking about a podcast or a YouTube video, then the listener can rewind, you know, can go back and listen again, but still it's, it's not a good habit to get into, to, uh, to speak too fast. Um, after I read Seneca, I recalled that there are two places in the Rambam, in Maimonides, in the Mishnah Torah, in, in the laws of, uh, in Hilchus Deus, the laws of character traits, where the Rambam mentions how a person should and shouldn't speak. So the first one is when he's talking about speech and silence in general. He says, Siag shtika, if, uh, silence is a safeguard or a fence for wisdom. Therefore, a person should not be quick to answer and should not be excessive in speech. And then he says how a person should teach. He should teach his students in a state of, of, of calm and um, and uh, or I guess repose and calmness, pleasantness, without crying out below arichos lashon and without uh, verbosity. Omer chachamim benachas nishmaim, as as uh, Shlomo, as King Solomon says, the words of the wise are heard in pleasantness. So. Um, uh, I uh, I actually don't have time to analyze each of these things, but just uh, maybe this time we'll just uh, we'll just note what he says. So he's saying that uh, so in this general talk about the way we speak, he's saying that when you teach, you should teach beshuva v'nachas in repose and pleasantness without crying out. Okay, but then later on in the same uh, section in Hegel's Deus five seven, when he's talking about the conduct of talmidei chachamim of uh, of people who are uh, students of the wise, meaning people who are on a higher uh, level of uh, of wisdom, so he says talmid chachamim lo yehet soik v'tzoveach bishas diburo kabehemos v'chayos v'loyak biach kolo biyoser. He says a a talmid chacham, a Torah scholar, should should not cry out and shout when he speaks like uh, like the livestock and wild animals, uh, nor should he raise his voice exceedingly. Okay, but, but then he says how you should speak. Ella diburo benachas im kolabrios. Rather, his speech should be pleasant with all people. Ukishi yidaber benachas, and when he speaks pleasantly, yizaher shlo yisrachek ad she raik divrei gasos haruach. And when he speaks pleasantly, he should not, he should be careful to not distance himself uh, to the point where he appears like the haughty. So it's interesting here. And, and he goes on, uh, I, I think, uh, it's in our best interest to not focus on this right now. Um, maybe I'll read the rest of the halacha in English. He says, this is all in the same paragraph. He says, um, he should preemptively greet every person in order that their spirit should be pleased with him. He should judge every person favorably. He should speak in praise of his fellow and shouldn't speak negatively about him at all. He should love truth and pursue truth. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is in that first halacha, 
in that first law, the Rambam is is focusing on the relationship between speech and wisdom. And in that context, he says you should speak in a manner, uh, you should teach your students in, in a manner of repose and pleasantness. So that seems to be much more along the lines of what Seneca was advising, because that's talking about how the philosopher regulates his speech when he's he's you know teaching his ideas. But in the second one, the Ramam is talking about the the overall interactions between a uh, a, a Talmud Chacham, between a Torah scholar and and uh, and the rest of the populace. And you see that he includes many other things like judging them favorably, not speaking negatively about them. And that seems to be much more in terms of of cultivating a proper social dynamic uh, between the the Torah scholars and the and the the regular people. Uh, I need to give this some more thought. But you see that the point is still clear uh, in a, from a practical standpoint is that the is that people should speak is that if you are teaching or if you are a Torah scholar, you should speak with pleasantness and uh, not quickly and not with uh, with uh, trying to cram in too many words. And uh, and I, I need to give more thought to uh, what the differences are between the Rama and Seneca and what the Rama is saying uh, in depth. As for as for my own fate, the question is: Will I be able to actually implement this? Um, I'm reminded of an earlier episode I, uh, I I I did on Seneca talking about how people who speak in public can't control their blushing uh, if they're if they're if they're people who blush and there are certain uncontrollable things. Uh, but then I criticized Seneca for that and said that uh, that there are there are things that you can do to to control yourself. Uh, and um, and now I guess I have to to apply this to myself. And, uh, and think about how I'm going to implement this. So, uh, Helen, thank you for the question slash request. And uh, if any of you, uh, thank you to those of you who have submitted questions uh, for future episodes. I have, I now have a nice backlog of questions, which I hope to get to in uh, in good time. That is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.